Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me. This is the Catholic Adventurer. You're catching me live on X at For the Queen BVM. You're catching me also live on Facebook and YouTube. Who me? Yes, YouTube at Catholic Adventurer on Facebook and YouTube. And thank you again for joining me. This is Friday, the Day of Mercy, November 17th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm very happy to be here. Very happy that you're joining me. Today we're talking about scourging the mystical body. Very, ooh, I have a typo in there. I noticed I left something from the last slate. It says exploration of scourging the mystical body. Eh, I guess that works too. It's actually a mistake. So I'm going to try and keep this short and sweet, although every time I say that, I talk for about three hours. But I'm going to try my very best to keep this short and sweet. I may not include this in my standard podcast um, catalog on iTunes and Spotify and everywhere else. Uh, I, this may be a social media exclusive. Uh, I haven't haven't decided yet. I guess it depends on how well it goes. <laughs> if I knock it out of the park, it'll go up on iTunes at Al. If, if I don't and I embarrass myself... It may just stay on social media. Who knows? Um, so, scourging the mystical body. This is something that I've talked about for a very long time. And what I'm going to do to get things rolling, I'm going to start with what inspired this little impromptu podcast episode. It was a tweet or a post by Father Dwight Loganecker. And I dropped a response to it uh, because the post, which I'm going to read in a second, uh, the post really, I don't, I don't want to say it struck a nerve, but it, and it wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a bad nerve that it struck, but it touched on something that, that I've been, that, that has been getting under my skin for the past week. Uh, really more, but in a special way over the past week. Let me get right into the tweet. This is, by fa- again, by Father Dwight Loganecker. You'll find him on X at DLoganecker1. Sounds like uh, sounds like a call sign for a pilot. Loganecker1, Loganecker1, come in. This is Loganecker1, solid copy over. So this was his post anyway. So I get an email from a reader inquiring about the Catholic faith who reports that after asking his local bishop, he was brushed off with, quote, One's choice of a church is is a personal matter. I will pray for your happiness, end quote. Maybe next time, refer a seeker to catholicanswers.com or perhaps even refer him to his local parish. I saw that and I, I was really annoyed because I have known that to happen twice to two people that I have, um, I've, they weren't like great friends of mine or anything, but two people that I encountered um, who I knew well enough that the, this story was believable. And this very thing happened to them, too, that they were interested in, in becoming Catholic. Actually, uh, but it wasn't the bishop. It was it was parish priests who said basically this same thing. You know, your, your choice of church is a personal matter. Uh, I'll pray for you. It, it was no not those exact words, but the exact same statements. Both times from, you know, happened to both people. Two di- who went to two different priests. And this really annoys me. And um, and it annoys me for a deeper reason than what's on the surface. And that's, that's what I want to get into. Let me read you my comment. It's in, it's in our modern Catholic culture that, quote, the church does not take itself seriously 
and it literally has no or low respect of self. And pause for a second. I'm going to explain here today what I mean by low low self-respect or low respect of self. I worded it that way on purpose, low respect of self. Going back to the comment, this existential malady is present in the hierarchy, it's in the lay faithful, it's on the left, and it's on the right. People have forgotten what the faith is, what living the faith means, and they recite the creed every Sunday while being careless and reckless about living what they profess in it. Consequently, and here's, here's the kicker, Consequently, throughout the church, many are reforming, reforming what Catholic is according to their whimsy. Many are reforming what Catholic is according to their whimsy. If the remnant is a real thing, it's a much smaller, it's much smaller than anyone realizes. That's the end of the quote. Where was I going with this? First, let me talk about respect. And I'm going to tie this all into this scourging the mystical body idea. So just follow me and roll with me, if you please. Where am I going? Where was I going with this comment? First, the idea of self-respect. By that, I do not mean one's regard for oneself. That's not what respect means. When I was a young teenager, I had a part-time job at, uh, at a deli. And when I was being trained to use the, the slicer, you know, the put your meat on there, you put your cheese on there, you run it. It's a big, giant, super sharp blade that spins really fast, and you run the meat or the cheese over it, and it cuts this big block into slices, in case you're not familiar. It's a very dangerous machine, <laughs> it's a very, especially, especially the old ones. Very, very dangerous. Not a lot of safety mechanisms going on there. When I was being trained on it, the, the woman who trained me gave me some interesting advice. She said, respect the machine, and it will respect you. If you don't respect it, it'll remind you by taking off a finger. And that stuck with me. And that's what I mean by respect. We have to order and orient our actions and our behavior toward the true nature of what a thing is. So... If I'm using the slicing machine like it's a toy, I'm not ordering my, my thinking and my behavior toward what the slicer actually was. It was not a toy. It was a very dangerous machine. That's what I mean by respect. Recognize what a thing is and orient your thoughts, your behavior, your actions toward it or regarding it accordingly according to what it actually is. So self-respect, to put it another way, could, can be understood not as um, self-esteem. Self-respect is something different. Self-respect is recognizing your true nature and living according to that true nature. I'm a child of God, made in God's image and likeness. I'm loved so much that Jesus died for me. Right? So you order, order and orient your thoughts, your actions, your behavior toward the nature of who you really are. Otherwise, you're acting and thinking and behaving wrongly. You, you, that, that's what I mean by self-respect. When I say that 
the first of all, when I say the church in this comment, I put it in quotes because I'm not talking about the ecclesial church. I'm talking about the the human. I'll, I'll call it the the institution and the organism. The human institution and organism. So that's the hierarchy. It's cardinals and bishops and the pope. Now I'm not accusing the pope of anything, but just roll with me. So the church. It's the pope, the cardinals, the bishops, the parish priests, consecrated religious, and the faithful in the pews. The church. Okay. The human organism the human institution, the church. So I say the church does not take itself seriously and it literally has no or low respect of self. By that, I mean many in the church, of course not all, many in the church fail to order and orient their thoughts, their words, their actions, their behavior toward what the church truly is. They do not respect the church for what it is, and so they act wrongly toward it or with regard to it. Let me drive that first point home with this example. I've been saying for 15 years that a lot of people in the church, and, and by that I do mean like the hierarchy, priests, bishops, some cardinals, increasingly more cardinals, but that's another story. Many in the hierarchy talk about the faith in the church as though God were dead. You would think God is dead by how they talk about the church and the faith because they say things that are not true. They distort what is true. They reinvent what is true in some cases, in some cases. Often when I listen to the German bishops speak, they sound like, this is what it sounds like. God is actually dead. We know it. Everybody in, in the church knows it, but the people don't know it. And we don't want to let them know. God is dead. So we're just going to keep pretending that he's alive, but we're not going to tell them that he's actually dead. Well, why? What's the point of the grift? Well, when you're saying ridiculous things, that are either, I would say they, it's heterodox. I wouldn't say it's heresy, but some of it, some of it does kind of flirt with heresy. It's so close or, or right on the line of heresy, it's, t- it's a tough call. It might be heresy, might not be. Some priests, bishops, and so on, and even some faithful, talk about the faith as though there's, there's going to there's be no day of reckoning, right? We're not offending God or Jesus by disfiguring the church or the faith, because God is dead. There's going to be no accountability in the end. Sometimes when I hear some bishops speak, you would swear God is dead. There's going to be no day of reckoning, no accountability, nothing. They, they have nothing to fear, and that is why they're talking the way they're talking. Or that is why they're behaving the way they're behaving, like Father Rupnik, for instance. Because God is dead. We don't know it, but they do. They know there's going to be no accountability, and that's why they're talking the way they're talking, saying or doing what they are saying or doing. So that's what we have here. In a similar way, the church does not take itself seriously. It's as if God is dead and they have nothing to fear. There will be no punishment. 
for their disfiguring and disfigurement of the church or of the faith. They don't respect the church for what it is. They want to make it into what they want it to be. Let me go back to the comment. This existential malady is present in the hierarchy and the lay faithful on the left and on the right. Many on the right will hear what I'm saying and they'll say, yep, that's modernists. Nope, it's conservatives too. Please hear me out before you get upset and offended. Because I don't say this as, um, I don't say this as someone who's over anybody. You are my brothers and my sisters and I care about you. Truly I do. I truly, truly, truly do. What am I getting out of this? I'm not getting a paycheck. I'm not getting accolades. I'm not getting recognition. I'm doing this because I care. So hear me out before you cancel me out. (laughs) It's on the left and it's on the right that Catholics don't take the faith or the church seriously. They do not respect it for what it is. They do not order and orient their actions and their behavior according to the nature of what the church and the faith really are. It's on the left and it is on the right. I think Catholics on the right, some of them call themselves traditionalists. I have, a, I have a lot I could say about that, but I'm going to skip it. Some of them call themselves traditionalists and some of them don't, right? Oftentimes, such Catholics are exceptionally good at doing old things, but they aren't always good at being saints. In fact, Many that I have encountered are very bad at being saints, at trying to live holy lives. But they're very good about things like old-school devotions or old-school terminology. They say things like Holy Ghost. They refuse to say Holy Spirit because that's Vatican II. Someone should tell them that Holy Ghost comes from Protestantism. It does not come from Catholicism. They're very quick and eager to point out that they read the Douay Rem version of the Bible. They're very good at doing, and this isn't all bad things. I'm a very traditional-minded, in general, not just in my faith. I'm a very, very traditional-minded person. I love old things. Usually I love the old things when they are superior to the new things, but sometimes I just love old things because they're old. So this isn't, I'm not really mocking anyone, you know? Such Catholics on the right, not all the time, not all the time, not all the time, not all the time. I know a couple of handfuls that I can call to mind right now who who, who are kind of like, uh, I don't want to say traditional Catholic because I hate that term, but they're kind of on the right, but they're also good at, at trying to develop their holiness. They're good Catholics, not just good at observing, you know, the practicing of the faith, but they're, they're, their hearts are on fire for the gospel. So it's not all, but it's very many on the right who have also forgotten, or it's possible they never knew, what the church really is or who the church really is. Because sometimes they fail to, and we'll talk about those on the left in a second. Sometimes on the right, Catholics fail to have a sense of mercy and compassion, and they emphasize instead Justice, 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 order, order, order. Hey, I'm a big justice and order guy, right? But justice does not overshadow mercy. And to the left, I will say mercy absolutely does not overshadow justice. So I see that in my experience with a lot of people on the right, 
Um, they're very judgmental. And it, again, I'm not casting, I'm not trying to paint everybody with the same brush. I know that people are diverse. <laughs> There's all kinds of people in every camp. I know this. I'm not saying all. But very many, in my experience, they're very judgmental. They're super gossipy. They love destroying people's, they, oh my goodness, they love destroying people's reputations. You would think that's a devotion of the Catholic faith. They love destroying people's reputations. They're gossipy, they're judgmental. They, they have trouble exercising mercy and showing compassion. And then on the left, we have the opposite of, 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 of the problem. Those on the left emphasize mercy and throw justice in the garbage, justice and order in the garbage, as if they don't matter. But they super emphasize mercy, 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 mercy. Well, mercy is a good thing, but listen, if mercy overshadows justice, then Jesus Christ did not need to die on the cross. The death of Christ on the cross was justice and it was mercy. And it was a tremendous act of mercy, tremendous, one that we did not deserve. Tremendous act of mercy was the cross. And if, a, if an act of mercy so great was required for the salvation of man, then justice must be a pretty real and serious thing. It must be a pretty serious reality if it took an act of mercy like that, the crucifixion of Jesus, to balance things out. So mercy doesn't overshadow justice. You can't just say mercy, mercy, compassion, compassion, and forget about justice and order. Reality needs both. Reality involves both. God em engenders both. We can't pretend one exists and the other does not. To make it, to give you a, a political example, I was talking to someone about this recently. Um, immigration. Immigration is mercy, but the way we're doing it today is not. It's an injustice. It's an injustice to those coming here, circumventing the system, and it's an injustice to American citizens who are affected by it. It's not mercy. It is not mercy. Turning off—let's say we shut down the border. That wouldn't be mercy or justice. I think immigration is good. It is merciful. It is just when rightly applied. I don't think we should—and no one is saying we should close the border entirely— but to leave it wide open like this is not compassionate. Frankly, it's cruel. To everyone involved and everyone affected, it's cruel. It is not mercy, you see? So in reality, you will find both justice, mercy, order. Um, what was the other thing I said? Justice, mercy, order. Well, anyway, justice, mercy, order, and compassion. That was it. You'll find all of that in a, in a way that is aligned with reality. Sorry, I just lost my place. I wanted to go back to the comment for a second. So people have forgotten what the faith is because they fail to respect what the faith is or they fail to recognize what the faith is. The faith is not a paddle for swatting people with. The, the, the mystical body of Christ is... The mystical, I don't want to say person, because then a theology, a theology brain out there is going to 
punch me in the face for it, and they would be correct in doing so. But don't take this literally. The mystical body of Christ is the mystical person of Christ on earth. Who Jesus was in his lifetime is who the church is today. And Jesus emphasized mercy and compassion. He did, and without, without jettisoning order and justice. So the church is the body of compassion and mercy and charity on the earth because the church is Jesus. The church is Jesus. And by that, I mean the mystical body of Christ. I don't mean the human portion of it because many of them are not. (laughs) The church, though, is Jesus. So, listen, I understand that there are some in the church who say absolutely ridiculous things, or at least they're ridiculous to me. I wish priests and bishops would stop talking about racism, for instance. Get over it. Racism is a manifestation of of another problem that isn't being talked about, and that is a lack of charity, a, a severe lack of charity. That is the real problem. The real problem is not racism. That's, that's a fruit of the problem. I wish bishops would stop talking about the fruit and address the root of the problem. And also, you know, pastor people through that problem. Teach the people how to have hearts that are charitable, hearts that are saturated in the gospel. How to have hearts that reflect the heart of Jesus. Instead of just saying, you know, Racism is a terrible thing. Well, that's, that's brilliant. We've only been hearing that for 100 years. I, I, it didn't click until you just said it. I wish the church would stop talking about political issues, social political issues, even though they may come to bear on, on, on things like gun control. If I, hear, if I hear 20 statements from someone in the church on gun control, I might agree with one of them out of the 20. And the other 19, I find just objectively ridiculous. Or immigration. Most of what I hear from the church on immigration, I personally think, is ridiculous. And frankly, if you take someone like St. Thomas Aquinas, I think St. Thomas Aquinas would find, find it ridiculous. Because St. Thomas Aquinas found, you know, mercy important and compassion important, but he also thought the real rule of law was important. And that there's in no way can we circumvent the rule of law and still maintain an atmosphere and climate that is just, merciful, and compassionate. But whatever. So I understand that sometimes we hear things from the church that are ridiculous. But you're hearing that from members in the church. You're hearing that from the members, members in the church. The church is Jesus. The church is a balance of justice and mercy, but I would say that the church that is Jesus, the mystical body, goes out to find the lost sheep. The church goes out to find the lost sheep and pulls out all the stops, short of heresy, to get them. And why, why, why should we damn the church for that? Why should we damn the church for going out to find the lost sheep. Don't you want everyone to be saved too? Are we supposed to be fine with the very real threat and reality that many people will go to hell? 
Are we supposed to be fine with that as long as it's not me? Really? Again, we fail to respect the church for what it is. The church, quote-unquote, the church, has no self-respect. And on the other side of the spectrum, there are many in, quote-unquote, the church. By the, because by church, I'm not talking about the institution. I'm talking about the, the, the people that are the church in, the, in, in parishes, in chanceries, in pews. That's why I'm putting that in quotes. On the other side of the spectrum, there, there is the church that has such low self-respect that it wants to reform doctrine. And it has no respect for the people of the church because what they'll do is they'll say, we're not trying to reform doctrine. We're just trying to, ch- to take doctrine and change it. Or they'll say something stupid like that. I made that up. But <laughs> the point is, they'll say something. They'll say they're not doing something. And in the very next sentence, they'll say, we're only doing this. And it's the thing they just said they weren't doing. Ridiculous. They have no respect for the people of God, apparently. I guess we're all just too stupid to see through the grift, according to them. But you have some in the church who have no self-respect for what the church is. And they try to emphasize mercy and compassion when really all they're doing is they want to change the church and they're using people's real lived situations as mechanisms and levers with which to change the church into what they think it should be. And I'll, I'll even negative name drop. I am not talking about the Pope. I am talking about some bishops and cardinals and some priests. They have no self-respect. They do not respect the church or the faith for what it actually is on the left and on the right. I I have lost count of, of how many distorted quotations and citations of church documents I've heard over the, my goodness, at least 25 years. Gross distortions of church documents to support agendas or to support, you know, my particular camp in the Catholic Church or to support my theological disposition. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. I mean, you might as well be making an argument based on a fairy tale. These distortions are so gross. Why? Because people on the left and on the right fail to respect the church for what it is. They would rather the church be what they think that it is. On the left... They want it to be a commune, a nudist commune where everyone shares food. No one, no one gets paid. Everybody works equally. No one owns anything. They want it to be a nudist commune like the hippies of the 60s. And on the right, they want it to be a Bing Crosby movie. Neither of those is what the church is. I'm sorry, it's not. And I, my friends, take it from someone who was a big proponent of the traditional Latin mass until Catholics decide to use it as a weapon against the church, all right? The traditional Latin Mass also is not what the church is. It is the Mass. It's absolutely the Mass. If you prefer the traditional Latin Mass, God bless you, then go to it. So what? It's the Mass. But let's stop believing that you're doing something tremendously virtuous by going to a traditional Latin Mass instead of a Novus Ordo. In fact, by believing that in your heart, you're actually committing a grave sin. If that's the Mass you prefer, go to it. What do I care? (laughs) But don't damn people for going to a Novus Ordo Mass. And let me clarify what I said a moment ago when I say the traditional Latin Mass isn't what the Church is because we were having Mass before there was a traditional Latin Mass. 
The traditional Latin Mass is extremely old. But the Mass of the Fathers is older. So I, I don't want to get on a, a Mass tirade because it's, it's really not worth it. And I think people take that to heart or they, they take it personally. And I don't, want to tune, I don't want to push people away. I just want to say, this is what I think. And do with it whatever you want. But I, what I don't want to do is push anyone away, on the left or on the right, because I'm doing this out of care and concern, not because I like to hear myself talk or because I, 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 I want to hurt people's feelings because it makes me feel better about myself. It's nothing like that. Conse so I'm going back to, this, to the comment. Consequently, throughout the church, many are reforming what Catholic is according to their whimsy. What do I mean by what do I mean by that? So let's pretend you could take a soul out of a body. What do you have now? I mean, you can take a soul out of a body. It's called it's called murder, but <laughs> you're not reaching in to grab the soul. Let's say you could reach in, grab the soul, take it out of the body. Now, and then you throw the soul up to heaven, whatever. What have you got left? You've got an inanimate body. Well, that's a problem because you want the body to be able to move and speak. But you threw the soul into heaven. You can't reclaim it. So you fill up the body with air and, I don't know, rods and robotic joints and stuff. And now it's a remote-controlled body. It's not living. It isn't living, but it looks like it is. It's as close to living as you can get when you've got a body with no soul. It's basically a robot or a puppet, even though it's, a, it's an organic body a physical body, right? On the left, people tend to remove the body of the church, the thing that is, is, is solid, rigid, strong, what I would call truth, they want to, or justice. They want to re remove that, and they want to be left with just a soul because they feel like then they can reform, refashion the soul like clay the way they want it. Well, you can't mold... Let's just say we are talking about clay. You can't mold clay if it's already in a mold. You can't reshape it to be something else if it's already in a mold. And we'll call that mold truth. Or going back to the, 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 the example of a person, we'll say it's the body. Right? You can't. So what you have to do is you have to get rid of the mold. You have to get rid of the body. You have to get rid of the truth so that you can reform what's left, the soul, the substance. You can reform what's left to whatever you want it to look like. That's what they do on the left. On the right, they do rather the opposite, where they remove the soul of the faith so that they can do what they like with the body. I don't, and again, on both sides, on the left and on the right, I don't think they're doing this out of malice. I think this is a disposition that grows very, very slowly over time and then becomes what it is. I don't think people wake up one morning and decide to do this. And what tends to happen is we remove the soul, we remove the heart and the soul, what the faith is, what the person is. And we're left with a body that we animate according to how we want it to move, according to how we want it to stand, according to how we want it to pose. Now that we've removed the animating living agent from the body, we're able to, the, the soul, we're able to do that with the body. You see, on both sides, 
And I, I would say it's not, you know, in, in general, it's, it's the extremes. On both sides, they tend to do this. They refashion the church and the faith according to their whimsy, according to their desires, according to their dispositions or their predispositions. A church that is listening and reaching out is not the church of Bing Crosby movies, so it must be false or wrong. On the left, they say, a church that is not singing kumbaya, that is not turning a blind eye to willful misbehavior, willful sin, and so on, that is not what the church really is. So, it ha- so what, what, what we need is we need to change it. We need to make the church more of what it actually is according to what we think. That's what I mean, mean by that last part of the statement. 36 minutes and counting. That's not too bad. I'm going to start wrapping this up. So again, you know, the, <laughs> the funny thing about my podcasting is I don't think many people will listen to this. So if I do offend anyone, it's going to be like two people. <laughs> but even one person I don't want to offend. So I want to restate something in closing. I'm not saying this to, you know, pe- people are always looking for a fight. That is not me. Because people tend to always look for a fight, they always interpret just about any comment or statement as fighting words. (laughs) That's not what this is. I'm not trying to fight with anybody. I'm not trying to insult or hurt anybody. I really, I really love the faith, and I'm sure many of you do too. I really love the church. I really love Jesus, but I don't love him enough. And that, that breaks my heart. But I'm working on it. Pray for me that I can love Jesus better, well, rightly. But I love all these things. And by extension, or not by extension, but including, I, I love the Catholic faithful, even though many of them get on my nerves. But you know what? When you've been doing what I've been doing as long as I've been doing it, we would get on your nerves too. <laughs> Sometimes they get on my nerves, but but and that and that's exceptional. That's not the norm. Well, it it is the norm, but it doesn't happen a lot. Let's put it that way. Uh, I love the Catholic faithful. I and when I say that I see you as my brothers and sisters, I'm being very literal. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to be poetic, eloquent. Do I sound like I'm eloquent? I'm not trying to sound eloquent, poetic. Uh, dramatic. I'm being very serious. I see you as my brothers and sisters. I'm doing this to help make you holier, not because I think I'm holier than all of you, but only because I have a lot, oh my goodness, so much wisdom. I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I meant so much experience. And I have a little bit of wisdom. Uh, Over a a long time of, of work, prayer, and action, and I want to share it with you. I want to share it with you. That's why I'm doing this. And I want to share it with you because I care about you. See, I'm trying to provide evidence for my claim here. <laughs> I want to share it with you because I care about you and because I'm, I'm super fanatic about the saints. I, and I truly believe this is an era of saints. And I know I am 100% convinced 
many people that I'm reaching, whether it's in this or in something I write or whatever, many of them are future saints. I absolutely believe that. And I'm just doing what I can do, what little I can do, to help get you there. That's all this is. So when I see people on the left going astray, when I see people on the right going astray, what I'm seeing is a brother or a sister in distress or in danger. And, and, sometimes they're so deep in the danger that they're bringing others down with them. So this is me reaching out to, to, to try and get you to do differently because I believe in you and I want you to believe in yourself rightly, not falsely, rightly believe in yourself. And with that, I think I'm going to bring this to a close and I'm going to thank you for joining me and I, I hope you enjoyed this and I hope you will visit my website at catholicadventurer.com. There is a whole lot of stuff going on on my website. Sign up for my newsletter. You'll be thankful that you did. And visit, check me out. Follow me on Twitter, slash X, at ForTheQueenBVM. Facebook at Catholic Adventure. Adventurer, sorry. God bless you. God be with you all. Hope you loved the show. Say Hail Mary for me and my family. We're in need. We really need. Please say a prayer for us. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye.